This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 96, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today I'm catching up with my buddy Rick Kiley to talk about his continued public land success during the New York bow opener. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you if you're listening to this the day that this is put out. And otherwise, happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there. I hope everyone's having some good times in the deer woods. Uh, This past week, of course, I I returned from my my Ohio trip and then jumped right back into the swamp trying to figure these deer out. Um, Unfortunately, they've seemed to disappear to a degree. Um, you know, so I set up on a new, kind of a new location, did a little tracking, uh, since we did get some snow on the ground, uh, thought maybe I could try to figure out where they might be headed to did follow a rub line, um, in which I ended up jumping a buck out of his, uh, I guess out of his little hidey hole, unfortunately, uh, tried the old, um, you know, I guess the, uh, Andre DeQuisto bump and dump kind of scenario and, uh, and set up right on that bed, um, after the, uh, after I ended up bumping him. Uh, but he did not return, but I did end up seeing a couple deer. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a total loss. I saw a young buck and, uh, and a couple does, which gave me a little bit of Intel as to how they might be starting to use this as all the foliage came down. Cause once the greenery comes off the trees in this place, it gets a little, it gets a little sparse. Um, and I was actually able to see a lot further, uh, and when I was set up in my tree and kind of start to understand what some of the terrain more specifically looked like, you know, outside of it being completely just kind of, you know, covered up in growth during the during the warmer season or during the, the, the growing period or even into early fall. Um, cause we did have a little bit of a warmer fall this year. So, and plenty of rain too. So of course it was, it was gnarly in there. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, I'm not going to delay getting, uh, getting right to, uh, talking some deer hunting. So this is, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a little while, 
um, you've heard this gentleman uh, speak or, or, or join me before. Uh, I'm going to talk to Rick Kylie today. Um, and just in full disclosure, I did record this just a handful of weeks ago. Um, you know, as I was getting ready to kind of go on my hunting trip and stuff like that, I wanted to have some stuff in the can that way I could have a show to put out for you guys. Ended up getting caught up and did the rut, uh, daily rut logs. I didn't get a chance to put this out yet. So this is, I think we recorded it around the middle of October. Um, Rick is a guy who manages to just kill hammer deer every year. Um, he hunts public land in New York. Um, he's a hell of a woodsman, um, and he really knows how to get on good deer. Um, you know, he plays the wind the right way and just the low impact, like all the things you kind of consider, you know, whenever you're, when you're hunting highly pressured public land, especially in a state like New York. Um, but he's, he manages to get it done year in and year out. And in the past two years, uh, you know, I've known Rick now for two, two years, um, in the past two years, he's killed hammer bucks on opening day, both years, opening morning, actually. And, in, in, you know, a lot of times guys will talk about not hunting the mornings um, in October. Um, Rick hunts the mornings and uh, and kills big deer uh, doing it, too. So um, it, interesting to talk to him to kind of get his perspective on how he hunts uh, this particular area. Uh, this buck particularly was kind of new to him. Um, so we get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a discussion as to how he thinks or why he thinks this deer showed up. Um, you know, and, and, and what the secret, I guess the secret sauce is for him in some of these spots that he's hunting. Um, so looking forward to the conversation with Rick. Um, you know, I think you guys will have some stuff that you can take away from, from, from what he's doing and just overall, Rick's a good dude. Um, you'll be hard pressed to find a guy or a girl, um, who is more passionate about hunting whitetails. And he's just recently also, as of this morning, in fact, I was watching on Instagram, uh, he's got a young daughter, uh, who is, First off, she's a hell of a shot uh, with a bow. She's actually competing at this point. I want to say she's maybe 11, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then she took her first, she might be 12. Um, she took her first deer with a bow as of this morning. So whatever today is, November 17th, um, she took her first deer with a bow. So I know he's super excited about that. I'm excited for him. Um, and uh, we talk a little bit about his daughter kind of coming into archery during this uh, this session as well. But before we get started talking to Rick, let's take a quick second to talk about our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. First and foremost, we are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. And right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get yourself a 20% discount on your Wicked Purchase. We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek is a byproduct of consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus trail cameras have to offer, but just can't fit a $200 camera in their budget, and that's okay. Uh, a budget-friendly camera backed by the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek comes in at $145 price point and has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, same five-year warranty, un unmatched customer service policies, 0.7-second trigger speed, Photo, video, time-lapse, and hybrid modes, all with a simple single-line backlit LED display. You get approximately 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. If you'd like to learn more about Exodus Trail Cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you'd like what you see, save yourself 20 bucks and use the promo code TRUTH at checkout. We're also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, You'll enjoy a smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com. And with that, you know, of course, the holiday season is fast approaching, so any number of these would make a fantastic gift for that hunter in your life. 
So be sure to use the prom promotional codes, do a little Christmas shopping, get that out of the way early. Without further ado, let's get Ricky on the line. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I am joined by a, uh, a, a two-time offender, what we'll call him a two-time offender, a veteran of the show. It seems like every October uh, around this time of year, this guy is going to start making an appearance if history tells us anything. But I'm joined by Rick Kiley. Some of you might know him from Instagram as Double Longer. How you doing, brother? Hey, man, what's happening, Clint? How are you tonight? I'm doing all right, man. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I know we were... We were lamenting some of our dog woes here uh, offline before we started recording, but he's quiet right now, so I think we're, <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, my my dogs are sleeping, so they'll be good till the morning. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I wish I could get this guy to sleep, man. He doesn't he doesn't know how to sleep. He he actually sleeps. I don't think he sleeps at all all night while he's in the basement by himself because he lives in the basement. And then anytime okay. on the weekends when we have him upstairs, like when we bring him upstairs in the morning, he's you know with us all day. Like he wants to sleep all day long. Until of course it like yep. you know until nighttime hits and then he's like wired and ready and ready to rock and, and just wants to play That's and it. run. I'm like, dude, you got to get That's on the cool. schedule, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, you're, dri you're driving, you're know? driving me, you're driving me crazy, man. But he's a good pup, though. I think we'll keep him around for a while. I think my my daughter might disown me if we didn't keep him around. So I think we're uh, I think we're locked in with this fellow for a while anyway. But uh, That's how it is with here. Those dog, my dog is get away. My little one Sage is out of her mind. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, yeah Anna gets uh she's pretty attached to this guy. Like it's, I think that I could probably move out and she'd be okay with it as long as the dog sticks around. I think she's good. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's but, great. But uh, we're gonna talk some deer hunting here, man, and not and not and not dogs necessarily, because um, you know you you you've had a you have a have had a good run, shall we say? Um, and uh, I, I always look forward to the uh, to October rolling around and getting some text messages from you. Um, cause you're usually filled with some, uh, with, with, with some good bucks, but f before we get into talking about kind of how your season has unfolded so far, if you wouldn't mind, I know that you've been on before, but if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little bit of background, uh, about you, you know, to the folks who are listening, you know, wh where you're from and, and what state you're hunting in. I'm from New York and I'm a UPS driver, 25 years. I live and breathe bow hunting and white-tailed deer. And at this point, I'm on your show for the third time, and I'm pretty blessed by uh, the homework I do and the animals I'm seeing and the animals I'm fortunate to take. And pretty much besides, you know, work, my family life, the rest of my life and, and my mind is consumed of, of shooting a bow and, and being in the woods, you know, with whitetails. Yeah, man. And the thing is, too, is like, you know, and I'll I'll say this. You didn't you didn't mention it, man, but you're you're a, a whale of, a, of an archer just in general, like target archer. You know what I mean? Like I watch. I, I mean, you can you compete and you are in and, and, and you're a terrific shot. I, I watch the videos that you put out, you know, with, you know, when you're shooting competition and stuff like that, dude, and you just you murder it. <laughs> Quite honestly. Yeah, well, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot of hard work and through the years and it's pretty much competition on the local level and uh it's something that i've really grown i'd say in the past seven eight years to really work at change try new equipment uh and yeah you know the hard work always pays off no matter what you do whether it's shooting a bow soccer tennis anything you know yeah so let me ask you this man i don't know that i've ever asked you this specifically but how much 
Like how much, you, you know, you, you have, you do a lot of homework, regardless of whether it's shooting your bow or whether it's hunting or, or whatever the case is, you know, but I'm just curious, yeah. you know, how much does the amount of time you put into your bow in terms of competition and target shooting and stuff like that, how much does that confidence kind of play into, you know, your confidence when you hit the tree stand? That is, I, I mean, and, and that's funny that you asked me that because that's a big issue that you'll have the weekend warrior that just takes his bow out a month before the season and okay, it's hit in the middle to, I am so anal Clint when it comes to, all right, putting down my 3d bow, putting down my indoor spots bow, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm not going for numbers anymore. I want to get my hunting bow going and ready from, from bear shaft tuning to shimming my bow to paper tuning to getting my marks, my peep sight height. I mean, arrow velocity, kinetic energy, you name it. Every little thing is marked on my bow. So in my head, I'm good with it. Right. If I was in my tree, if, if I was in my tree stand and I didn't mark my peep, because if your peep moves, you're kind of screwed. If it moves high, you're going to shoot high. It moves low, you're going to shoot low. If I if I don't see my sharpie marks with my peep, just my mind knowing that my peep didn't move, I would be totally out of my mind. So it's very <laughs> very important to myself. Might not be to the next guy, but it is it is in my regiment that my bow has to be 110 percent the way I like it and the way I tune it in my backyard, in my tree stand in my backyard, then when I go afield. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. So it's it's interesting because, you know, I'm I'm not to that level of, you know, of an archer of you and, and Greg. I know, you know, we're all good buddies here with uh, Greg Litzinger, you know, and I've talked about this in past shows, you know. I know you and you know, the two of you shoot together and spend some time together. Um, and he's a great archer, yep. too, and I've spent time with him, you know, and – um, I learned. I learned. I learned a lot from Greg too. You know. Yeah, yeah, and learned a lot from each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he spent some time with me last year at the range, and you know, we text a lot. You know, just like we all do as buddies or whatever. And he, but he's helped me out immensely with my shooting, and that's the one thing I will say that for me is different. Probably the past year or going into this season, the end of last season, um, than than prior years is just the confidence that I have in my bow, and it and it. And it was that kind of um, commitment to shooting, you know, multiple days a week, putting a lot of arrows through the bow. Now, I, I don't shoot competition, you know, like you guys do. So, you know, I shoot just my shoot yeah. my, my hunting bow all year round. But, you know, he helped me change some things with my form that may be more accurate. Um, we spent some time talking about, you know, arrows and how to set up arrows and, you know, you know how my arrows should be set up for my bow. And just all those kind of small details to where it's like, this past week, you know, I, I harvested a doe on um, whatever day that was, Saturday. And it was one of those okay. things where it was the first time, you know, that I harvested a, a deer with a bow that I, after I f- released the arrow, that I actually remembered everything that happened. Like, from really? the time that I drew back to the time that I released, like, and I could literally... So, really, it, al- I could it re- almost sounds like... It almost sounds like Greg. I mean, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. That put you in shooting, a, shooting archery, shooting an arrow in a hunting situation. He put you in a method of a process of yes. every action on your on on your bow, whether it's drawing back, anchoring up, looking through the peep. Everything has a process and a number. And it looks like if you go through that process and number, yep. when you're in that momentum of the status of shooting an animal, because you're kind of going through a different state, mm-hmm. everything is crystal. Cl- everything is crystal clear. Yep. 
And that's how it was. It was, and it was the first time it's ever been like that. Cause usually whenever I, when I, when I've harvested deer in the past, whether it was a buck or a doe, you know, it didn't matter. Like I would remember drawing my bow back and then I would blank after that. And then the next thing I would remember would be watching, you know, after the shot, watching the animal run to try to watch it fall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. And this was the first time where it's like, I could literally remember, like, I could remember drawing my bow. I was making a conscious decision because I was in a tree saddle. I was like, all right, I'm going to swing behind the tree, draw while I'm behind the tree, and then I'm going to pop out the left side. And she should be getting ready to clear that that brush. You know what I mean? And, like, I remember finding my anchor point, making sure I was all locked in. Like, it was just, there was a process, just like you said. And that never happened yeah. to me before. And then as soon as I released that arrow, I knew it was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't even have, yeah. there wasn't, like, yep. a second, there was no second guessing as to whether or not the arrow was true or not. Um, you know, and it was, it was weird because this year, too, it was, I made a change to shooting a single pin and setting a a pin at 25 yards and then gapping to 35, yep. 37, and then being able to shoot under that, of course, and kind of understanding what my, my, my trajectory is at those dif- different distances in between, you know what I mean? And, yep. and how I have to kind of hold high or hold low, um, you know, and then spent, you know, plenty of time elevated as well, just because, especially at close, at close distance, because now that I'm having to hold low at close distance, you still have to count. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's just you have to account for that yep. angle, of course, because you need to shoot a little high so you oh, get the pass through the way you want it. And so it was, you know, this deer was at 15 yards, and I, I put it right, uh, just like right below where the back. Right on its heart. Well, I put it right below. It, it ended well where I held it was on the heart, or just a little above the heart, and it ended up entering just yep. just below the back strap and exiting, uh, catching lung and liver, entering the bottom of the rib cage. Perfect. Yeah. So it was Good. just like, and it wasn't like I thought about it. It was just like, I knew where I needed to hold it. That's where I held it. My process kind of took over and I, I went through my steps and, and it, and it worked out. And so it was, it was wild, man. It was, I sat down right after it happened. I was like, man, that's the first time that's ever felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know. and, and it, it's it's good it's great that you mentioned know your bow know your trajectory know your angles i i kind of set up a little bit of a different setup this year i took two or three pounds off my bow total weight mm-hmm. and and e- even that if you take two or three pounds off your limbs tune your bow get a bullet hole bear shaft tune that can change your 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 angle tremendously. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I do after I tune my bow and I get my marks on the ground mm-hmm. with broadheads first first I get them with field points mm-hmm. out to like let's say I think my hunting bow goes out to forty. Mm-hmm. I usually don't take a shot past twenty five thirty yards usually in the woods. You know, right. I mean if I can I would, but I hunt like real thick stuff. Right. So what I do after I get that done, I make sure my broadheads are, are totally hitting where my field points are, and if you tune it right and your form is good pretty much and you're not tired. It's usually right on the money or, or close to it. I have a, uh, an 18 foot lattice stand in my backyard. To make a long story short, I'll take a target and I'll put it at three yards and I'll put my pin. I have a single pin slider mm-hmm. and I'll put it on 20 yards and I'll aim right at that dot just to see. So I know where it's going to hit mm-hmm. and I'll start from three yards and make increments out to 20 to a solid 20. So this year with my setup, at 20 with my pin being on my 20 yard mark from three yards to 20 it stays on my 20 yard pin i'm i'm dead centered every time nice last year before i took the weight off i had to put it on 10 yards so i made it it made like a five yard difference in your angle right you know yeah 
Yeah, it's a, it's, it, it, I don't know, man. I just, I've really liked moving to a single pin. The other thing that I did too is I started shooting with both eyes open. That's the other thing I changed. Yep. I've, yeah. I've always done that. Yeah. I've never I, shot with one eye shot. Yeah. And it just, it made a big difference. And it's funny. I, I as soon as I started doing that, I, I ended up texting with Greg. And what I had told him was, I was like, I was like the little bit of target panic. And I don't like to call it target panic because it's just like, you have to have a process. And it was more, I would say it was more anxiety, right. Of like anticipating my shot, anticipating my release. And I told him, I was like, it was the craziest thing. Cause as soon as I started shooting with both eyes open, because I could see my periphery, all of a sudden that pre-shot apprehension kind of went away because I could see everything. I could see everything around me and I was able just to kind of like focus in on just watching my, my pin hover. And it was the weirdest. Do you thing. shoot a regular? Do you, do you shoot a regular index trigger release? Uh, I shoot a. I shoot with two fingers. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's a trigger release, two fingers over. And so what I do yeah. is like working with him. It's like I basically claw over, claw over the top of it, and then I try to shoot it, yep, and mimic good. somewhat of a back tension. That way, I'm I'm in two knuckles deep. That way, yep. I'm not just yep. punching or whatever. So yep. yeah, I was trying to switch to a to a, a tension release um, this year. Boy, uh, it's and I just didn't get, I just like didn't get to it early enough to make it work for hunting season, so I abandoned it because I didn't want to be trying to get that dialed in and, and be late to the game on it and, and end up messing up a shot. So I figured that'll be something I can work on this winter. Yeah. Check it. Check out the Carter 2-shot, index finger release. It's yeah. got a really nice heavy spring and a nice uh, you know, a gauge into a heavy spring, medium spring, light spring. You can really get your finger around, like you were saying, mm-hmm. into like the second pad of your index finger. Yep. And you can really pull with your elbow to really pop that shot off. It's a, really, it's a nice, crisp release, too. Nice. Yeah, that was one of the things I think uh, I think Greg recommended that one, too. So I'm definitely going to check yep. out a couple different things this winter while I have. Because I got in my basement, it's it's long enough I can <clears throat> I can usually get off about a 13 to 15-yard shot in my basement where I put my, my target in, inside my uh, fireplace <laughs> as a backstop. <laughs> and, uh, and so I usually shoot in the basement all winter long. And so I'll... Uh, I'll probably you know get a different release this this winter where I have some some time to kill in the in, indoors and and work on that. But you know enough with the I guess my archery uh, approach and and what I'm planning to change this year. I want to get into what's going on with what's going on with you. But before we jump into all the the deer hunting stuff, man, the, like there might be even like a bigger deal than the deer that you that you harvested this year. And it's probably maybe even a little bit more important to you. I saw on Instagram that you got you got your 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 little girl now shooting out of a stand. How cool is that? Oh, oh man, let me tell you, <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be a father's dream come true, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep her interested, to keep going in the woods, and to harvest a deer with a bow and arrow. And I'm I got to be blessed by God that this is going to happen. And, and, and I'm going to make sure it happens. And, awesome. and then when I got her up in that tree stand a couple of weeks ago, she totally fell in love with it. She goes, I never want to shoot on the ground again, dad. I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. Love you. I'll see you later. <laughs> she goes, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, so awesome. it was pretty cool. Yeah. She was in my ladder stand in my backyard. And let me tell you, 20 yards, that kid is putting him in there with a back tension release with broad edge. Dude, I'm telling you, man, I, I've watched the videos you've posted of her shooting, man. She's, she's a hell of a shot, man. Like she's, I mean, she won some competitions this summer, didn't she? Yeah. Yep. She won a couple, but you know, she's a normal 11 year old kid. If you try to push it on her and she, she wants to give it back to you a little bit. No, I don't want to do it now. Right. All right. 
Yeah. You don't want to do it now, but but when she does, and I don't push it on her, she really, really enjoys it, and she settles down and really, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. It's it's just a father sitting back with a big smile on his face that it's all coming together. Man, I heard that. Whenever you posted that, man, I was just like, I was like, man, Ricky's got to be smiling ear to ear right now, dude. And I was, uh, I was super. I was super happy for you, man. Cause that is, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past and my daughter, you know, shoots a bow, not, not as frequently as, as your, as your little girl shoots, but you know, it always warms my heart whenever she wants to pick up her bow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. So, Oh, no doubt. So I thought yeah. that, that was, uh, I thought that was super cool and, uh, and worth mentioning. I'm, I'm really interested to kind of continue to watch. Now she, she has interest to, to hit the timber, right? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Uh, November, we have all her hunter safety courses for big game, you know, uh, firearms and bow. Mm -hmm. So she has all the certifications this summer, but we have to wait until she turns 12 on November 4th that we can buy her license and she can actually legally hunt, you know, in New York. But being that she's a a junior, a minor, I have to be within hands reach with her. So I'm going to be right there video on her, you know, and and I'm, and I'm telling her, I'm like, Sage, you know, what do you think? You're going to shoot like a four pointer if it walks up? She goes, no, I'm passing that. I'm like, really? Yeah, you're gonna pass a four pointer? Well, we're gonna get down and go home. How's that? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I can't wait to see how you feel when a big doe comes up to you. Yeah. Because I'll be fine. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. you can look back at the video and see how you feel. Yeah. We'll I, see. Can't, I can't wait to see. <laughs> so that, she's man. all, she's all, she's all talk now. So we'll That's see right. what happens. You know. <laughs> That's right, man. It'll be funny because I mean, still, man, it's like for me, man. Even when I see does roll up man you still come a little unglued you know what i mean it's just like i'll put it this way man the day that the the day that i don't get excited when deer approach my stand no matter no matter what size or buck doe whatever the day that that happens is the day that i need to stop you know what i mean because and i'm and i'm gonna stop with you because that is what it's all about exactly i mean i had a little buck walk up behind me this last weekend before i got that done and and just a little i guess a little five point you know what i mean young young deer had plenty of bone for as young as he was you know he was a nice looking young deer and he just he rolled up behind me and messed around for a little while came to nine yards was as as close as he got and just kind of hung out and i I hung out and watched him for probably 30 minutes and i'll tell you what whenever he first started approaching i mean he wasn't legal i guess he was legal technically but you know there was no chance i was going to draw back on him but it was even still just watching him approach my stand and just be a deer heart heart started pounding a little bit got a little excited i had to remind myself i was like hey Calm down. You're not. You're not even going to pick up your boat. Yeah. Just, just sit back, relax, and, and and watch the show. You know what I mean. Let him, let him. You know, be a deer and just enjoy it. Um, but you know, the dude, day, the day that dude. that stops happening, you know, is the day I'll stop. Oh, without a doubt, that happens to me driving down the road. I see a doe in the woods. I flip out. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh, she see the deer. Ugh. All right, let's keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife does the same thing. We'll be driving somewhere and I'll see like you know two or three deer in a field along the road or somewhere. I'll be like, hey, there's a deer. There's a bunch of deer. And she'd be like, Clint, she's like, you, you, you hunt deer religiously. She's like, you see them all the time. Yeah. Why is it so exciting yeah. when you see them along the road? I'm like, I don't know. Anytime I see deer, I just get excited. I can't help it. I was like, it's just, it's just, it's just the thing. But, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It is, man. It's, it's, it's something how, uh, how, how these animals just kind of, kind of grip you. And, and it's not just the hunt of them, man. It's just, it's cool just to watch them, dude. Like just to watch them yeah. in like their natural habit. I mean, some, some of my favorite hunts were days I never drew a bow back and just kind of watched, you know what I mean? Just saw cool it's, stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice when you watch them and they tip over too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'm never going to turn that down. <laughs> hey, look, I'm watching. Okay. He's done. <laughs> 
So on that note, let's talk about tipping, uh, tipping deer over and let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you have going on this year. So before we jump in directly to like the approach, the stand set up and all that stuff, like, you know, not necessarily like where you're hunting geographically, but like describe the area that, that this hunt kind of took place in. Like what's the terrain look like? What's the habitat look like? You know, those types of things. Boy, it's going to be a typical big public land that narrows down into suburban kind of little funnels with a bedding area with a lot of sumac. Uh, I guess you can call them like blueberry pricker bushes because okay. there's like three or four acres of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I found this thicket during shed hunting on this public land, big, big, big laurely woods that funnels down into the suburban little kind of like, almost like if you could picture walking into acres and acres and acres of timber. And then it comes down into like little spokes of funnels that goes in between like three neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And in between that neighborhood out of all this acreage, hundreds of acres is seven acres of bedding with one parallel parallel run that runs along this bedding area and then into it, it fish hooks into it. If you can kind of picture what I'm talking about, it's, it's just, I found this during shed season, like I said already, Mm -hmm. and my hair, my hair just stood up and I found some nice sheds in there. And from there, I just took off and branched off all around this whole area. Okay. So is that bedding area? Like, I mean, are you, is 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 it buck bedding? Is it doe bedding? Like that specific area? Like I'm assuming it's buck bedding. I'm assuming you were probably hunting the bedding area for for this deer specifically. I really didn't know if I was ever going to see this deer. Mm-hmm. I I found his sheds probably a couple hundred yards away from this little bedding area with this one parallel run. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a couple other nice, you know, one really really big shed after this one. And I, I tell you, I wasn't even going to hunt there. I was going to wait for the rut to hunt there. <laughs> but then the wind switched over here in New York from October 1st, Monday, instead of it being the traditional north wind like I had last year. Of course, I was going to go back to the same tree because, geez, I shot a 166-inch buck open in the morning at 730 out of that, one of my favorite trees, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's in my mind. It's in my mind. I'm like, man. I got to get back in that tree. What if the wind is not right? So like three months before opening day, I was on the weather channel every day and they kept changing it. I couldn't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be kidding me. It's east now. Where am I going to go with the east wind? And then it was south and it was back to north. I could sleep the night. It went back to north. I was flipping out. (laughs) You have no idea. (laughs) That's funny, man. Like I I was watching... Because I, I was watching it pretty close too, just because I was hunting a couple of those, you know, bigger deer that I had sent you to text some of those pictures from the swamp, and yeah, I mean it's it's funny because it's not an exactly kind of setup, same setup that you kind of have going on, but it's 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 kind of these this finger of swamp that kind of sits in this like suburban setting between a bunch of uh, like basically a neighborhood, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and they and everything I was getting on camera with them was on a on some type of east wind. Right. And, okay. and so I was like, awesome. I got the East, you know, and it was a Northeast wind. I think it was Northeast wind and East, East, Northeast wind, I think is what it was or something like that. Anyway, it was some combination of North and East wind. Right. <clears throat> so 
I watched the weather, played my cards right, had a good weather day, you know, that seemed to be setting up right and got the wind that I needed to get back in there. And I was like, man, this is, it was one of those things where I probably walked in a little too confident because I was like, man, this is like, this is the right wind. I know, I know this is where they're betting because of what, you know, kind of how they're moving by the camera and, and what I kind of saw whenever I had gone in and done, done some scouting, you know, just prior to the season and stuff. And I was like, yeah, this should be a slam dunk. Cause like one of them should be coming by. Cause there's four really nice deer in this area go in there get completely skunked like nothing um and so then i was like i was like man i was like wonder i was like can't believe i didn't even see a deer you know what i mean so then i didn't hunt it for like two weeks i ended up going back to my my dad's uh property and hunted that and then came back and and um decided to hunt it again because i was getting getting the right wind and so there's a kale tra- there's a trail camera on my way in that i can check that i have hanging there right because i kind of go right by it and so i stopped and yep. picked it up and had a card reader and i crawled up in uh in my tree saddle and um pulled out the card reader and was like let me take a quick look at this you know and see what's going on and i get in there and that one so there's one that's daylight active in there so i know i'm like right by his bed you know what i mean yeah um, he likes to come yeah. out sometime between like 12 and 3 30 is when i'm like seeing him now and all of a sudden now like before he was working an e- some type of east combination of east and north wind now all of a sudden he's showing up and it's a south and west wind and I'm like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. I was like, like, so now I'm like completely confused, like as to like when I'm supposed to go hunt this deer because he keeps showing up on like on multiple winds in the same place. Yeah. So it's not like I'm catching him like traveling in a different direction on different winds. It's like, he's literally showing up the same direction on different, on different combination of winds. So I'm like, well, to me, it almost sounds like he's unpressured and the winds really aren't mattering to him in a, in a notion of being one direction in one area. Yeah. I mean, that swamp's nasty thick. So if he's betting where I think he's betting, like there's nobody touching him, you know what I mean? There might be people coming around him, you know what I mean? But they're never getting, they're never getting in probably within 50 yards of him, like tops, you know what I mean? From where he's betting. And I'm sitting like off of him a little bit, like not right up. I mean, I'm probably, I thought I found like his better. I thought I found a, what would be like a primary buck bedding area in there. Like the mature buck would own this area on this piece of ground. Yeah. And I thought I found yep. that whenever I was scouting and I'm probably, I might be 60 yards from it. Maybe. That's yeah. how, that's how I like to hunt them. I don't like getting in beds. Yeah, it's like I'm just I'm just I'm just off of it just enough because well the truth of the matter is too is like if I went in and tried to hunt his bed like there's nowhere I could really hunt it you know because it's just there's there's really not a tree you could get into all the cover in there is probably no more than four feet off the ground you know what I mean so even getting a shot would be pretty much impossible um so my only my only chance is really to get him to come out where he's been kind of passing through you know what I mean and catching him just catch him coming out of bed um yeah that's what i've been trying to work but he's got me a little confused because i I don't know which wind i'm supposed to play and yeah we'll we'll see i'm gonna probably hunt him probably two more times and see if i can get on him and then after that it's uh off to my dad's property in ohio for the for the rut but let's go ahead and get back to the back to the back to the story story at hand here so i want (laughs) to ask you this and we talked about this a little bit the last time you were on when you killed that big deer last year but you know a, a bunch of folks kind of have this idea and I've started throwing this away a little bit myself for a couple of different reasons. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of explain those to you after you kind of, after I kind of ask you the question, but 
you know, a lot of folks won't hunt a morning until later in the season. You know what I mean? And this is two years in a row now that you've, you know, hunted a morning, you know, successfully. So, you know, I guess, you know, what made you kind of, especially because you kind of mentioned like this really wasn't the stand you were really intending to go to on opening on opening yep. day, kind of the wind kind of dictated you make a shift and so you ended up here. So what was it that, you know, aside from the wind that kind of drove you to hunt a morning and then hunt this, this, you know, specific location in the morning. Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need hardcore tools. Do yourself a favor and check out Wicked Tree Gear, the toughest hand saws and pool saws on earth. You buy it once, you buy it for life, backed by a lifetime guarantee. Right now, if you use the promo code TRUTH, you'll save 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. So head over to wickedtreegear.com and get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you can. Vacation in the morning. Well, I knew when I found this at a couple of the really, really nice sheds that I found and the deer that I was blowing out of there back in March that it was definitely the deer were coming back in there in the morning, obviously from the, the fields and the ag and, and the yards, and they're going to feel comfortable and lay down. So if I'm going to hunt it in the morning, I got to sneak in early. And as I get in and go over this one run, I got to go over the one run right in line with my tree. So mm-hmm. if they're coming down the run, they pick me up. I can shoot them. They're right, right in front of me. Yep. But it was, it was, it's really, really crazy and awesome, incredible how it happened because Sage has a lot to do with it, my daughter. Hmm, that's awesome. Once once I found out that the winds were definitely going to be south-southwest, that's what the winds were going to be, open in the morning. Yep. So I had a, we had a week before opening day, and I had ran a couple cameras on a couple runs. Now, this is a, I love running my cameras. Once I get in that woods and I find sheds and I really, really scout it, and don't know for a fact, but know enough that in my mind that these runs are feeding this bedding area mm-hmm. or these deer are going to use this run as this edge to check the bedding area. They're going to scent check the bedding area before they fish hook into it. So I'll follow these runs and find out where they're going to wind up and lead up, whether I got to put my camera two feet off of a road pointing down this run, like we've talked about last year on, on other shows that I've been on with you. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what's co- what's coming and going. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock in the morning or 12 in the afternoon, but I know that run is going to lead to where that bedding and where my trees set, you know, where my trees are set up. Right. So I'll make a long story short, try to cut to the chase here. Once I found out the wind was going to be south-southwest, it was a Sunday, Sage has to be in bed at 9.30 during the week, and it was like 8 o'clock at night. I'm like, Sage, we got to go for a ride. You got to come for a ride with me. She's like, why? I said, we have to run out in the dark. The deer are out of there already. It'll be quick. Let me go set up a camera in the dark just to see if the deer are using this other run and going into where I want to be open in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I'll make a long story short, we did it. And, you know, I called it her camera. We had went out and had something to eat. So that next Saturday was a Saturday before the Monday of opening day. I went and checked that camera and it was like, three shooter bucks that were walking in and out during the daylight. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? So I was really, really stoked. You know, like 130 inch, yeah. you know, like a 120, a big seven pointer. I mean, walking perfectly. That run is going to wind up right past the trees I want to hunt for a south wind. Right. So uh, that kind of really made my decision, and I've never hunted it before. I set up three trees in this area, one for a south wind, one for a north and a west, and one for an east. 
and and Clint, I didn't even put tax in them. Hmm. I just cleaned them up with my pole saw for a climber in March, wow. and that's the only time I've been there besides shit on. And and me way up at the other end of this run with Sage, the week before putting that camera up. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's you know, that's a nice combination of you know reading what's going on, and then a lot of folks whenever they find a place that's enticing like that or are you know they they jump the gun and they get in there too often because they want to check out what's going on you know what i yep, mean and, and that uh, yeah and you just laid back and then got in there did hang a camera but you did it at night right and you got in there whenever deer yep. were already out feeding so they weren't really going to be there um yeah you know what i mean and so you kept the pressure off that way you know because a lot of folks will you know spend too much time in an area that they really like and then and then they kind of ask themselves you know why why all of a sudden have the deer changed what they were doing? Well, it's like the variable is you. You know, they didn't change it because yep. they wanted to. They changed it because they felt they had to because you were, you know, you were pressuring them. And so you, 100%. Just, you just noticed that, hey, these deer are running in and out of here. It looks like a really good spot. I'm going to lay off. I'm going to clean up a couple of trees, dip out, and then I'm going to come in right before the season, hang a camera real quick, check it, you know, confirm what I think I know, and then I'm going to move in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's yep. funny. So when I was mentioning, you know, hunting mornings, this is one of those things where I didn't really – I'll hunt mornings, I guess, strategically. I won't hunt every time I hunt in October. Well, let me phrase it this way. Every time I hunt in October prior to, like, the third week of October, you know, I, if I'm hunting a morning, it's because I have – it's because I think I have a reason to hunt the morning, right? Otherwise, I'll hunt the evening. Yeah. So, for example – you know, I've done a couple early season morning hunts um, in a couple different places. So one was I've done it in the swamp a couple times, I think twice. And the reason was was because whenever I was going in like mid afternoon, and I like to get in early if I'm doing even if I'm doing an evening hunt, it's like I usually like to be in my tree by like no later than like one, like no later than two o'clock, like set up ready to go. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like I usually yeah. You know, the earlier I can get in, the better, because I like to have time to sit and kind of settle in and just, you know, you never know when something's going to kind of pop in mid-afternoon to get weird. If something gets weird, I want to be there. Um, oh, no doubt. And, and what I was, what was happening is the swamp's access is really tough. Um, and every time I was walking in, I was bumping deer. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to get in here, I was like, and if I want to hunt the morning you know, or, you know, early afternoon into the evening, I was like, I need, I need to still get in here ridiculously early. Like I got to try to beat them back to bed. You know, I was like, it's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. So I started hunting mornings in the swamp and just really hunting mornings and getting in there ridiculously early so I could beat them back to bed. So then at least I was set up in my tree and ready to go if for nothing else for the evening hunt without bumping anything. And that's what I started doing. And that was when I started seeing deer. I did the same thing at my dad's on uh october or i guess september 29th because it opened september see the season wide opener was the 29th of september here in pa and so i'd never yep. i never hunted my dad's before hung cameras from all last year and just kind of watched them so i knew a couple places i wanted to check out and uh I, again i went in super early in the morning just because i wanted to see what type of you know morning activity even if i got dark deer that was fine i just wanted to i wanted to be in the tree and see what happened in the morning you know, even if it wasn't like, a, even yeah. if it was, you know, before shooting light and I couldn't see my pins or anything, got in super yep. early. And what I found out, you know, again, this property doesn't get a lot of pressure because, you know, my dad doesn't live there. I don't live there. Um, you know, so we basically travel there to take care of things and it's, 
you know, get some pressure in the summer when we do some work and check cameras and stuff like that. But otherwise, the deer have the run of the place. And opening day, group of deer comes sauntering through at like 8 o'clock in the morning, daylight, just rolling through. Huh. And then I hear sparring about, I guess it's about 150 yards away from me. I thought I heard the crack of antlers and stuff together. And I was like, is that sparring? I was like, ah, maybe there's something in a tree that I'm just not, you know, I didn't think much about it. And I was like, then when I got done, I was like, you know what? There's a camera up there. I was like, I'm going to go ahead and check that camera and see what, see what's on it. I go up and check it. Sure enough, that day, that morning, bucks standing there right in front of the camera, sparring at like 8.15 to like 8.45. Nice. Shooters or no? Uh, the one, yeah. The one's a shooter. Yep. He's one of the shooters on the, on the property. So, and he's, he's pretty daylight active. And so... It's just it just goes back to that keeping pressure off, you know what I mean? Like they're they're just as snug as a bug in a rug on that property. Not oh, yeah. no one's messing with them, and so they're willing to move around and and daylight. So that was really my reason for starting to hunt mornings in October was more almost more observation and and more as part of my access, really, you know. Yeah. But yeah. so I want to talk. Well, with, little, I'm sorry. Go ahead. With me, with me in the area that I am in New York. I have so many places to go. I have it all pretty much patterned what, where I'm going to hunt in the evening. Like I have evening spots, evening thickets, mm-hmm. and then I'll have morning. So I can hunt one, one area in the morning. That's always been a good morning spot without going in and bumping deer out. And then I have my traditional, let's sneak up to the bedding area and let's be as quiet as we can and get up in the tree and let them all come out of their bed and filter past me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Nice. So it's yeah. not like I only have three spots. I I got tons. I mean, like, holy crap. Yeah. I, I'm working on that. I'm working on to get, to get yeah. a ton. You know, it's uh, <laughs> I've just recently gotten some, you know, have gotten places um, here on the eastern part of the state um, to hunt, um, which is which has been nice. Or I guess I should say have become more familiar um, with some of the yeah. properties on the eastern part of the state here where I have a couple of different places where I can kind of where I can kind of slip into um you know, which, which is nice, you know, cause to your point, it's like, the other thing is too, is I don't want to burn one place out necessarily. So I'm trying to find different places to, exactly. where I killed yep. my buck last year. I've got this swamp. I've got another piece. that's a little further over, over, you know, closer to the, uh, New Jersey, uh, PA, New Jersey line. Um, so I've got yep. a handful of places. And then of course I go back and hunt our family properties just because I like to do habitat management and stuff like that. And that's where I get to do some of that stuff, plant food plots, cut timber and do all those things. And it's just kind of fun to watch, you know, you know, deer take advantage of the, of the work that you put in and stuff like that, which is always kind of, which is always kind of fun. But, you know, the one thing I want to, I want to ask you, man, like, I know you, you had trail camera pictures of this guy, you know, or I guess let me confirm that he was one of the deer that you had on, on that trail camera, right? The first time in August, <clears throat> after I found these sheds and in, in, in March and, and say, this is going to be one of my number one spots. I want to try it out. The first camera I put out ever, and I'm not really big with the cameras. Like, I mean, people live and die by cameras. I like putting cameras on runs that are going to feed to where I'm going to hunt. And, and I'm going to see what, I, what, what I'm going to kill them. Mm-hmm. I had this camera probably, I'm going to say two, 300 yards away on a different run coming through another little thicket from the ag from where they're feeding at night. Mm -hmm. And he was my first, my very first picture in August. Hmm. I pulled the camera after two weeks. I think I had like nine pictures in two weeks. I pulled the camera and I looked, I I put it in the card reader. I went, Holy crap. Are you kidding me? And that's the (laughs) only picture I got him. Then, then 
I'll pull the camera. I'll go back like another week. I'll put the camera. I'll leave it there for two weeks. You know, I'll have a couple of little bucks, but that's it. He was just him. One pitcher, first time in August, and that was it. Done. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, I mean, why do you think – Do you, I mean, do you have any, I guess – Kind of working hypotheses of as to why you were only ca- that you why you only caught him that one time because it feel like, I mean especially because you you know you arrowed him there it's like he had to been living nearby right or do, do you uh, think you were living I, in I the bedding think... area or do you think that you or do you think you were you were catching him on his bed to food pattern? No, I think he was definitely living in there because they came from the totally opposite way where I thought they were going to come from. Okay, I think he was living there where I shot him. But where I got the picture of him, I got lucky. Okay. But it was way, way out of the way, out of the way. But one of the runs that do lead to this betting area, you know, five, six, seven hundred yards away. So I think I got real lucky with the picture, and I got real lucky with killing him where I was because I think that's where he's living. Okay. And meandering, he has enough of room, you know, a lot of room to meander around during the day. But right. here I am looking up. I mean, we'll we'll get to that when you ask me that question, but. That's that's what I think it was. I think I got lucky with the pitcher, but where I was set up was totally where I needed to be, one hundred and ten percent. Right. So before we get into that, because that literally it was good foreshadowing on your part, because that's literally one of my next questions. But you know, so you had mentioned the type of property this was. This was kind of like some fingers that kind of came off of some some a big piece of uh, you know a big piece of public. So this particular area you were hunting, I know you said that this bedding area was like maybe seven acres. Like how big was the surrounding area in general? I mean, was it was it literally just that seven acres of like a of a finger, or was there additional kind of timber around that that was like you know fifty acres or whatever that was in, you know in total? I'm gonna say that it's probably geez maybe a hundred acres Okay. that leads up into this, up into this little finger that, that, that I was in. Okay. Maybe more, you know, it's big public property, you know, big public land. Right. And, and here I am worrying that some, I'm someone's going to walk by me because right. anyone can hunt it. Right. You got the access, you got it. You can park and go, you know? Right. Right. So what you were just kind of mentioning before, which you, know, you got, you got lucky with the picture, but it was really about where your stand setup was. Like, I want to talk a little bit about that because you know, it's one of the things I'm trying to get better at is like what you had mentioned earlier was that you kind of had trees kind of prepared for multiple winds in a, in a, you know, in, in, in a single location. Right. And so I want to get a sense yep. of, you know, give us your stand set up your location, you know, you know, I guess describe for me the terrain that was there and anything interesting specifically about this location and why you kind of placed your stand or your trees that you, that you had marked. Well, this is what really, really stuck out to me on this particular new spot. First of all, we'll go back to March. I found one of his sheds. My friend Adam found one of his sheds in that bedding area. Mm-hmm. About a mile away, another friend of mine that was with me in this big cornfield found his other side right next to a road. Okay. So when I put two and two together and said, whoa, 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 whoa. This one shed is over here and the other shed's over there. So it was almost like it just gave me a total firm understanding on obviously from point a to point b this deer is feeding here and and sleeping here right so when i when i went back in and really said now let's get down to work and and i think greg might have been with me that day that uh i i found this spot my clint my hair stood up it was a like i said it's like a seven acre blueberry thicket 
with some cattails that adventures up into like hollywoods and laurels mm-hmm. and hardwoods that goes up into a finger of a house mm-hmm. and there is a run there's a run so if you could picture an alleyway coming into this this bedding area that just opens up into like 10 acres a run that is i mean dug down to the dirt and you can stand on top of this hill and watch this run the whole the whole edge of the whole bedding area it doesn't go into the middle of it it goes right along the whole edge of it so the way i love setting up on these primary runs to me that's like that's like greg finding a bed and laying in it <laughs> well let me let me lay in the bed and you know let me make a movie <laughs> i had to bust i had to bust on it a little bit right yeah, hey i yeah. got a bed over here okay good i'll see you later yeah. have fun with it <laughs> when i see these runs well <laughs> he's gonna love that yeah, yeah, yeah. when i when i see these runs clint i'm thinking of a big mature buck or or a shooter or a big mature doe getting on these runs and what that run showed me was that these deer are using this run because they can't see in there if it's going to be a, a, a south wind because if this run was to the north side of this thicket they like like a buck's going to send check a bedding area during the rut because he doesn't want to burn all his calories going in there and bulldozing all place when there's nothing in there right. they're going to use their nose to feed their brain with information right so these deer are coming from bedding to feeding from where I found the two sheds in March, two of my friends and walking on this run. If you could picture just at sun up or, or, or whatever, if they get pushed into there and that deer will walk on that run confidently and safely with a South wind with his nose in the air, smelling everything that's going in there to feed his brain to know it's okay to fish hook around the back end of that and lay up in there. Right. So what I did with the South wind, I got on the other side of the run on the north side of it, and I cleaned up a nice white oak for my climber. So anything walking on that run is going to have their nose looking into the thicket, and I'm going to be behind them shooting them. Hmm. Yeah. And and I I can't I, I can't stress enough how much shed hunting helps killing white-tailed deer, and just putting in some time and figuring out how this deer is using his brain to navigate to live. If you can figure out what a deer's move is by reading the terrain, reading the runs, reading the thickets, reading the bedding areas, and then playing the wind perfect or as much as you can, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a 10-year-old buck. You're going to kill him if you really want to kill him. It's going to be done. Right. And, and to, to me, if, when I find a bedding area, I find a run like that, it's amazing. So whenever you're... Trying to figure out, figure out how to ask this. So when you're when you're playing the wind, right? Do you are you typically playing the wind aggressively? Like, are you cutting? Are you cutting the wind? Or are you looking to give the deer the wind almost entirely? I I I am so crazy with wind direction. If if I know my wind is going to blow into a run that I'm set up on, or where they're coming from, or either blowing into a bed uh, just a little bit or, you know, a thicket, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to hunt it. I'm, okay. I, they'll, be, they'll be another day. I mean, I have books and charts, not charts, but everything logged out of trees. I have wind direction. You know, I stood next to the tree with my compass. I have it marked on onyx. If it's going to be a South Southwest, I'm going to hunt the tree for a South Southwest. I'm not going to, if I alter it once and you get a five-year-old buck that's in there, 
that's why the guy 10 blocks away is going to kill it because you screwed up. He went in the back door right to him. Right. Right. That's no. interesting. Yeah, it's always just interesting to hear different folks' take on how they how they hunt the wind and and, and so forth. Just you know, as you mentioned, just even different tactics, right? Because like you mentioned, like you're you're looking at, at runs and stuff like that, and and, and, bu- and we're busting on Greg a little bit, you know, with the 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 buck, <laughs> the buck betting, you know, the betting stuff, you know. But it's just you know, yeah. two guys who hunt differently, but both you know are are really good and accomplished hunters. You know what I mean? And it's like, yep. he, he's looking for buck Great. beds. He's going to try to set up on a buck bed yeah. where you're going, eh, I don't really want the buck bed. I'm going to look for the, the, the dominant run that's going to be used to, to get to a bedding area. And then I'm going to set up on, you know, the, on a, with a south wind on the north side of it. And that's going to be my money spot, you know? And it's just yep. interesting to hear different approaches to trying to kill the same animal. You know what I mean? And so I'm always constantly yep. trying to pick what works for me. It's like, I probably tinge more on the aggressive side of things um okay only reason, well, with the wind direction yeah like i'll i'll i'm trying to figure out how to say it. like i won't hunt like a completely wrong wind necessarily um but i will hunt i will hunt an iffy wind if you know what i mean yeah um where it's yep. like See, that kills that kills me yeah that kills me hunting if you wind. yeah where i'm going the whole time in a tree stand I'm like a sour grape <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh no you're like breaking out what am i doing the tree stand <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like I, I had that on uh well actually i had it on the the day that i killed that that i killed that doe it's like i was set up you know outside you know what i presume to be this buck's bedding area and i kind of knew yep. that the, you know that the, the way it was blowing it was kind of you know it was blowing from i guess from my back you know I was looking at the bedding area. I was behind the tree in my saddle. I was looking at the bedding area. So it was kind of hitting me in my left ear and kind of splitting what I think to be two separate bedding areas in that swamp. And so the way I was set up as the wind was holding true, my wind, you know, my scent cone should be kind of splitting the two bedding areas and they're not really traveling back there. There's a huge run and I was, you know, was kind of hunting similar to how you hunt. It's like I was kind of setting, setting up on this run because it's really their only way to get to and from because the swamp's so thick, they're going to come out hit this run and then that's going to take them to wherever they're going to branch off and go. Um, which is kind of yeah. what has held true on, on trail camera. And it's also what has held true on the deer that I've actually seen come through. They, they've all kind of done the yep. same thing. Um, but I was definitely hunting an iffy wind and, uh, that, that doe just got arrowed before she had an opportunity to catch that. iffy wind is all it came down to, that's you know perfect. what I mean? Um, so I'll definitely, you know, like, as I like to say, you know, I like to risk it for the biscuit sometimes. (laughs) So, um, the other thing is, I'm going to use that one now. I'm definitely using (laughs) that one. uh, What are you doing? I'm risking it for the biscuit. Get out. That's right. That's great. That's great. It's illegal. It's illegal in in three states. I'm going to tell all my customers tomorrow. Hey, what's happening? Have a good weekend. I'm going to risk it for the biscuit. (laughs) Um, but the, the other reason I'll be a little bit aggressive too, is just, you know, I do get limited time around here to hunt too. So I'm also not yeah, quite yep. as, as, as worried about blowing up a spot because I'm only going to have a handful of times to be able to hunt it, you know, cause I, like I was mentioning yeah. earlier, it's like, I take off my time around, you know, the end of October and beginning of November and then I'll hunt my dad's property, but my dad's property, that's really just a three and a half day hunt. And then I'll spend, you know, eight, nine days in Ohio. Um, and I only have a limited amount of time to get it done in those places. So it's like, you know, I have three, three and a half days to hunt. I have a handful of stand locations. So if I have to I'll hunt all of them, you know what I mean? And, and I'll hunt if yeah. and when yep. 
in all of them if I have well, to because I'm not too the, worried about burning them out. That's also a factor you got to take into if you don't have a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to sit back and not hunt all your good stuff because it's not 100% perfect, you know? I understand that. Yeah, yeah. And when I have time, man, it's like, you know, earlier in the season, I'll play it a little safer. You know what I mean? I'll set back off of things yeah. a little bit and unless I have a reason to jump in, you know? Um, but as it gets a little later and gets a little closer to prime time, and then that's when I start kind of getting a little bit more aggressive and, and uh, you know, still paying attention to the wind, but, you know, definitely willing to take some chances, I guess is a way you might put it. But, uh, yeah. so, so now the next thing I want to do, man, we kind of covered, you know, a lot of like, you know, the info that you had on this deer, you know, why you set up where you set up, you know, how you set up your stand location what wind you were working and all that stuff. So now what I want to do is like, I want you to just kind of walk me through the hunt in kind of like totality and give me like, how far was the hike in, you know, <clears throat> were there other deer that you, that you, that you, that you saw prior to prior to arrowing him specifically, you know, did you see him coming? Did it happen quickly? You know, what, you know, what was the wind, the weather, all that type of stuff. So just kind of walk me through the morning as you, as you were, you know, kind of preparing to arrow this deer. All right. Well, it's open in the morning and, uh, it's like a tradition. I love, love getting in early, open in the morning, really early. So I'm going to say it was probably a 25 minute, 20 minute walk from where I could park my truck. Mm-hmm. And like I told you before, the last time I was in there was March. And I went back in there like maybe 10 times after finding sheds, picking the place apart. And last time I went in there with my pole saw, I cleaned up a tree for a south, a northwest-west, and any kind of east-northeast. So I have three trees cleaned up, no bright eyes, and I've never been in there in the dark. Mm-hmm. So now here I am panicking that. I, usually I have like one bright eye, real low or real high, just to get me in the right direction, right. especially when I'm going to hunt on a run because I want to make sure that I'm going to cross the run if I'm hunting on the other side of it, right where my tree is. So when they pick me up, when they're coming down the run where I walked across it, yep. I can shoot them instead of them busting me 20 yards down the run if I crossed it too far away. Yep. So I get in there. Now I'm getting around the thicket and the houses, and it's pitch black probably like three thirty, quarter to four. I get in there. I got my stand on the back, got my bow. And for some reason, I remember this big, big fallen pine tree and it stuck in my mind, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure it's how crazy I am. <laughs> and, and I thought about this. I thought about this pine tree for, since I got the picture of that deer coming back and checking the camera that Sage and I had put up way on the other end of the property. And I said, I'm sure this pine tree fell. Or, or I remember the, the, the deadfall being right in line with the south tree that I cleaned up. Mm-hmm. So that was my go-to. And I want to try to cross this run right where I'm going to climb this tree. So I get to this pine tree, and I said, all right, I found the pine. It's a huge, huge black pine that fell. I'm walking along the pine tree, and you know I'm shining my headlamp. I'm shining my headlamp, and boom, I, I see the white oak. So it was perfect. Nice. I got right. I jumped over the run. I can still see the run in the dark. It's down to the mud. And I get to the pine tree. So now I'm like ecstatic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I remembered that. <laughs> and I got to this without anything. Just nice. from no onyx. I didn't mark it on onyx, nothing. You know what I mean? Yep. Because I really wasn't planning on hunting here until the rut or giving it a couple of trials to see how it was because I've never hunted there before. So got my stand around the tree. First climb of the year. I'm probably 25 feet up in the tree. Climbed as quiet as I can climb. Everything worked perfect. Got my bow up. 
Got my tree arm in, my bow arm. Got all my stuff all set up, my safety harness on. Sat down, and it's like 10 to 4. So, and I'll tell you, uh, we're going to go through the hunt. I'm going to tell you everything. I love it. I put my head down in my hands, and I said a prayer out loud to God. And I don't want him to take this as I'm not taking this prayer away from anyone that really needs it. But, Clint, we're major, major whitetail hunters, and this is really, really important to me. Yep. And I really, really want this to come together with my yearly hard work. And, and I'll tell you, I just prayed to God just like the way it was. I'm a Christian man, and, you know, just bless me with this if you can. And I, and I, I, I just dealt it out, of, you know, to me, a beautiful prayer. Yep. <clears throat> so and we'll, get, we'll get back to that, you know, once we get on to the, to the kill and stuff like that. Yep. So uh, sat in the dark. You know, it's my first time being there. I'm kind of giddy. I'm like, all right, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. It's like a kid on Christmas. For sure. And and as it's getting a light, as it's getting a light, I can see this run under me. I think I put it on my Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a four-yard shot to the run, you know. So uh, it gets sun up. I don't hear. I don't see anything. The woods is very, very quiet. Uh, 6.30, nothing. So I'm like, all right, you know, here I am thinking about the tree I was in last year, you know, a couple <laughs> miles away. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I wonder what's going by there right now. Right, right. <laughs> that, was the best open, that was the best open morning in my life, you know. And right. I even prayed to God that morning, too, for that. Right. You know? <laughs> so I, want, I, I kind of wanted to make sure I did everything the same, same clothes, same pants, same boots, because, you know, that's just me. It's in my mind. Yep. So 7 o'clock comes along. Nothing, you know. I'm texting Greg and texting a bunch of other people, you know, that I'm hunting with and stuff. I said I haven't seen nothing, but now I'm ready to stay all day. I'm not leaving. Yeah. I got cappuccino in my bag. I got a couple, you know, a couple bags of trail mix and stuff. I'm I'm not leaving. I'm staying right till dark all day long. So I'm going to say right around ten to eight, maybe. I'm sitting here looking up the run from from where they're coming from the ag which i'm thinking that these deer are coming and going from right and i kind of i keep bending down and kneeling and looking up this run up the hill and then all of a sudden i look to my left from behind me coming up the other end of the run and and a rack just totally took me off guard Hmm. so with with that i see a rack like 15 yards from me walking on this run i just totally turned around and put my hand in the sling of my bow i got my hinge out of my pack i took my bow off i hooked it up I turned and I looked at him. Now he's he, now he's almost right where I crossed that run, right four yards right in front of me. So I'm like, oh man, it looked like a real nice nine pointer with like a big kicker coming off his base, like a curly cue that went like six, seven inches off his base. So he's probably like a 120 inch buck, but nice and solid, big body. So right away, I'm like, I'm shooting him. That's it. It's open in the morning. I am shooting this buck. I've been waiting all year for this doesn't have to be a giant you know it's it's a beautiful buck beautiful buck to me yeah it'll be a beautiful bow kill beautiful morning at work so with that i turn just a little bit i put the bow down i get my elbow up i'm just starting to draw the bow and boy something catches my eye behind him but there's like trees in the way because the run comes around a bend and all i could see when i look around that bend is two main beams on either side of the run. <laughs> oh, I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? No way. So with that, he's walking, 
and I see this freaking giant. I'm like, I can't even believe this is happening right now. So with that, the deer that I was going to shoot, the nine pointer, is just starting to get where I walked across the run. It like it stopped and, and it stomped its foot once, and it's looking around. So now I'm concentrating on this wider buck, and he's he's quartering too a good bit. And I said, now you know, obviously this is the one I'm shooting. I'm not shooting the first one I wanted to, but now I, I know this this deer is getting crazy. He's starting to smell the air. He stomped once. I'm like, I got to do this or I'm done. It's got to happen now. Came to full draw, like we talked about before. I went through my process. It was perfect, crystal clear. Got my grip. Got my elbow position. Got my anchor point. I shut my left eye to line up my scope with the peak. I brought the pin down and put it right behind his front leg tight. But his beam was in the way. <laughs> so here I am. I got my pin right on the crease of his buck's leg, and the tip of his main beam is in the way because he's so wide. So now I'm like, all right, before I, <laughs> I can't take my thumb off the peg of this release till he moves his head. So then he moves his head, and then my thumb comes off. And, boy, I just buried that pin right behind that shoulder and just started pulling and waited and pulling and waited. And, boy, I tell you, I hit him perfect. I hit him perfect. So I hit him. He jumps off the run, runs about 30, 40 yards, and instantly lays down. Hmm. Lays right down in the middle of the hardwoods. So now I'm still crotched over looking at him. And he's down, and he's, like, picking his head up and, like, shaking it, putting his head down like he wants to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. With that, after, like, a minute, he stands up, and his tail is flickering. Like, that's a telltale sign of a deer dying. Yep. If their tail starts flickering real fast like that, yep. I've seen that a lot of times. So now in my mind, I know my shot's quartering, too, because I had to do that. So I know I went in right where I wanted to go in. But I don't know if I'm coming out by his back leg, coming out the middle of his ribs or coming out the back of his lungs, you know, liver, guts, you know what I mean? Yep. So now he's right on the edge of this thicket, and he stands up, his tail's flickering like crazy, and he steps away. He takes like three steps to the right, and I can't see him anymore. (laughs) I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now I'm like, no way, you got to be kidding me. So now this other buck is still standing there like, what the hell is that? (laughs) I could have shot him too. But so that was it. And, and and from that time on, you know, I, I talked to my friend Adam and Greg and my friend Steve, Steve, the Steve, the Ambrosio, uh, great guy. I want to mention him. Awesome bow hunter. We got real close the past couple of years. Uh, my friend Lou, I'm not going near that bed where I saw that deer die for at least, an, at least noon, at least 1230, hundred percent. Right. So here I am. And then, and then after that, I had like maybe 11 does come in, you know, as the, the period I was waiting, right. I probably sat in the tree for another hour until I got down and walked around a little bit and tried to fall asleep on a log and played chess with myself and uh, talked to nine other people. I, I phoned a friend. Can I go over there now? Or no, should I? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like going crazy. I'm like, this is killing me. It's 80 yards right there and I can't go over there. <laughs> That's funny. But as 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 I replayed it in my mind, and I'm telling my friend Lou and Adam and them, I said, I think it's the buck I got the picture of. The only picture, the first time I put my camera up in August. I'm pretty sure it's him. And it wound up being him. Hmm. So so where did you end up arrowing him? Like, where what was, what was the entrance and exit? The entrance was right tight to the left shoulder if he's coming to you. 
and it actually it came out almost perfect hmm. like right right behind the lungs like you know what you know if you look underneath the deer if you're hanging them and you hold the front legs up yep. you know the white right on their brisket yep it came right out of the, it came right out of that white spot in the brisket so it was almost straight down because it was like a five yard shot yeah so instead of it being further a further shot with a flatter trajectory it was more in and out straight down right and he was dead that where, where i saw him disappear he disappeared because he fell over yeah. that's why yeah i was actually was thinking, done, i was I, actually thinking that when you mentioned that i was like that sounds like a deer tipped over yeah but i just didn't see it so yeah. my well, better my, safe, my better, better safe than sorry though I can't tell you through the years, it's better to wait when you haven't seen them fall over or hear them fall over, you know? Yeah. So, so, so you're walking up. So you, it finally gets to the point you finished playing chess, you finished phoning a friend, you woke, you woke up off your, <laughs> log, you woke up off your log like father time. Um, <laughs> you're walking up to this buck. So what are you thinking as you're walking up to, to find this buck? Well, I, I had an arrow knock and I called my friend Lou and I said, Lou, Drive up to where my truck is and wait there, and I'm going to walk up to the bed right now, and I'm going to see what I got in the bed. So I walk up to the bed where I thought the bed was, and the bed was, first of all, right where I shot the deer, there was blood all over the place, right mm-hmm. where my arrow was on the run, you know? Mm-hmm. So I walk, up, I walk up to the bed, and the bed is full of blood. And you can see with a deer, where I watched him walk away, I told you about it's just pouring straight out of him. Like someone's just taking a Coke can and just pouring and walking and making like a, a, a straight line with it. Right. And he was laying right there facing me. <laughs> and man, let me tell you, I, I couldn't even believe what my eyes were seeing, <laughs> seeing this deer 23, 24 inches wide laying there like that. I was totally, totally beside myself. Yeah. It's crazy. It is, it is totally, totally crazy totally totally honored humbled incredible feeling and i don't even think that you could pay for this it, it's unreal yeah. it, it's totally i really can't even explain it it's just the way a woodsman a bow hunter connects like that and figures it out after mm-hmm. you, 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 you kind of get that you mm-hmm. almost figure out the whole scene afterwards and say, oh my gosh, this is how it happened, and this is why it happened. Yeah, no, that's one you know of the coolest. I mean? yeah, you connect the dots the cool- after. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because I mean, the thing is, is like when you're when you're doing the hunt, it's like you're dealing with partial puzzle pieces, right? Like because you don't ever have the animal. You know, I mean, you have pictures yeah. of him, right? You have some sheds of him. You know, maybe yeah. you even did an observation set, and I know that you didn't in this case, but like, just say for instance that you did, and like maybe you saw a visual, right, at one point, and he was. 60 yards away or whatever. But it's like, it doesn't like the whole picture doesn't come together until like that harvest happens because then it's like yeah. you, it's like, it paints the full picture. It's like, Oh, this is how he's living. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is how he's working. This, this is how he, it's just, I mean, you're hundred percent right, man. It's, it's one of those, and it's, there's a little party part of me. And I don't know if this is the case with you or not, but there's a little part of me after that, where I'm like, man, I almost wish it didn't end because I'd like I'd love to play this one over again. 
You know, no, you, no, no, no. I like, I like when it ends. <laughs> I, I want it to end. <laughs> but, I, mean, I never say, oh man, maybe I wish I didn't shoot this 160. No, 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 it's no. ended. It's done. I love you. <laughs> right. And you're going on the wall and next. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I 100% agree with you. You, uh, you know, it's like, I'm, I, my name's Clint. I didn't want it to end. Right. <laughs> There's just there's just, oh, always that's a, great. there's just a little part of me though where it's like man I want not that, not that you want to give that buck back necessarily I guess let me put it that way it's not that I want to give it back yeah. no, I know I know what you, you know yeah. but, but you're like man I, I'd love to re like I'd love to redo that just because I want to do that again yeah you know what I mean because the way it came well, together and the, the way the puzzle pieces I had to put together and stuff like that like that's always like part of the fun what's so what's so crazy about this kind of feeling I'm talking about is I didn't know the buck all that well. Mm-hmm. I just stumbled across this area looking for sheds and I found his sheds, not knowing I had his sheds. And then I got a picture of him, totally far away from where I hunted and killed him and figured it out after and said, Holy crap. I can't believe I stumbled upon this because of shed hunting. And I put the puzzle together, not really knowing what the puzzle was before it was put together but it came together. Yep. hundred percent. It's almost like, yeah, it's, it, 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 it's an incredible feeling. Yeah. You put together a mature white tails movement, a mature white tails bedding, feeding sheds, a pitcher that, so now what I'm saying is where you find sheds and where you have a pitcher is probably 95%, not where you're going to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Where people go in the woods and find a massive, a, a massive, finger of rubs and scrapes and and holy crap i'm going to set up freaking shop here for a month yep. you're probably going to kill that buck a mile away yeah yeah it's funny so, so if you could if you could think like a mature buck find these signs and say all right now let me get away from here and find some more with subtle signs where this buck would feel comfortable and that's kind of what i did not knowing i did it until i did it Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? No, it, it totally it totally does. It's funny that you mentioned that yeah. too because it's one of the things that I'm trying to do, I guess, more of this year because, you know, especially hunting like the – so those bucks I'm hunting in the swamp and here in the eastern part of the, the state, never saw them ever in my life. I hung one camera just on a, on a run that looked to be heavily used, and it was more just like inventory, right? And I did some scouting around yeah. there. I was like, all right, here's some places – where I, I feel like deer are probably bedding and this is where this run is at. And, you know, they have food in this direction and this direction. So this is probably how they would maybe use it, you know? And so I started trying to put pieces together without having the, the animal piece. And then I see those deer on camera and I'm like, okay, that's another piece of the puzzle, but it's like, but I'm not hunting a deer that I know at all. I'm hunting, yeah, you know, I'm hunting more, I guess, um, the, the terrain and like the habitat than I am the deer per se. You know what I mean? Because I'm trying. And that's to... how I hunt. That's yeah. how I. That's exactly how I hunt. I don't pick out one deer and be like, "That's it. I'm I'm going for this one." No, no, no. I'm in the right area because he's there. That's the first clue. Right. But look, let's hunt. Let's hunt how these things are going to go. If I get lucky, I get lucky. You know. Right, and that, and so that's you know, so that's how I hunt whenever I'm hunting. You know, all the public that I'm hunting around here. It's a little different when I go back to say like hunt hunt my dad's place and stuff like that because you know I've watched it for you know. You know, going on two years now, you know, I watched it for a full season before I hunted it and stuff like that. And so there are, you know, three shooters on the property and two of those shooters I had, I watched last year on camera on multiple cameras. 
You know what I mean? So you do start to get to know them a little bit. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of playing a little bit of both. And I've, I explained this on a previous podcast, but it's like, you know, and, and you can kind of, you know, attest to this, you know, hunting in New York, which is, you know, a pretty highly pressured state as well. It's like getting a deer to make it from one year to the next in, in high pressure states is hard. You know what I mean? So it's like oh, yeah. when, you, when you have a nice three-year-old deer or a four-year-old or whatever, it's like th- there's no, there's very few guarantees that he's going to make it through to the next season. You know what I mean? So, you know, yep. being, being able to watch a deer for multiple years for, for me, even on private ground and PA is, is pretty, pretty challenging. You know what I mean? When I say watch yeah. him for multiple years, watch him for multiple years when he's a shooter, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, you know, so for, for me this year, it's like the three deer that we have on the property is shooters. This is the first year that they're actually shooters. They weren't shooters last year. I just remember them because I have pictures and, you know, I can kind of distinguish them with their, their rack features, you know what I mean? And, or, you know, different yeah. body features and stuff like that. Um, but this is the first year that they're, that they're shooters. And, you know, so I don't, I try not to hunt specific deer, even on private property, only because I can't guarantee I'm going to be able to hunt him multiple years. So what I try to do is I try yep. to still just hunt the terrain and I try to hunt terrain features that the, most mature and dominant deer on the property use because if dominant deer and mature deer are using those terrain features there stands a really good chance that that's going to be terrain features that mature deer year after year are going to continue to use because it is it's it's the best you know features for them to you know stay hidden stay covered and travel with with you know with safety so i i totally agree with you 100 percent on that yeah. So that's, you know, I, I had an opportunity to hunt a deer, you know, one deer one time for multiple years when he was a mature deer and I put the pieces together and it was a great hunt and he just wouldn't come the last like five feet I needed him to come. And then he got you know killed during gun season. But, you know, those are the breaks, you know, it, it is what it is. And that was really what kind of changed my mindset of like, instead of hunting a specific deer, I'm going to hunt mature deer that use the terrain features that mature deer typically use in these areas. And so, yep, I agree. So we'll see how it pans out for me, uh, for me this year. So, you know, I'll keep you, uh, I'll keep you abreast of course is how that kind of works. But I know, you know, I've kept you here just for a little over an hour. Um, and I could talk to you all night about this stuff, but yeah, I want to be sensitive to your time. So I do have one more question for you before I let you go. I want to get a sense from you, man, you know, cause you know, I'm going to just say it this way. I feel pretty fortunate. I got a bunch of, you know, guys I I consider, you know, good buddies that, you know, I think are really really some exceptional hunters, um, you know, and you're definitely, and you're one of them, you know what I mean? That, you know, you get it done, but it's not just you getting it done. It's the way you think and the way you kind of take, take the woods apart and, and figure out what an animal's doing and how the terrain's going to work and stuff like that. So I wanted to get a sense from yep. you as to what you think the key to your success is this year. If you had to boil it down to just one thing, if I said, Rick, tell me one reason why, you know, you got it done this year, or you got it done last year, or maybe you get it done any year, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, what's that one thing you think that you do that really kind of allows you to be successful? Well, this year, it really stands out to me on this hunt. Again, October 1st, opening day. I think by me staying out of there since March and not disrupting the bedding area and the travel corridor, from what I found and, and, and thought I had put together the right way, my instincts, you know, my, my, and by me using the little bit of the camel work that I did way, way far away from where I'm going to hunt. 
when you walk through the woods, it's a, it's a major deal. Mm-hmm. If you walk up a run or down a run, just because you're out of there, your smell on the ground is going to stay there for a long time, maybe mm-hmm. weeks, months, maybe a month, rain, snow, the nose on the deer is totally, totally incredible. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. So I think my thing was, yeah, I didn't plan on hunting their opening day. But like I said before, all the puzzle pieces came together in the end by a kind of, not by accident, but ah, a light, a light bulb went on. This is, this is what happened. I wasn't in there the whole time. I got a picture from the deer half a mile away, only one picture. I got one of his sheds in a bedding in a bedding area. The other other one of his sheds a mile and a half away, two miles away, in the middle of a freaking field. And and, and look, I'm going to say to answer your question was, I left it alone and didn't step foot in there from March until October first, three hours before the sun came up, <laughs> and yeah. and found that pine tree and got across that run in the right spot. I think by staying out of there and crossing that run where I crossed it. That's what killed that buck. If I would have crossed that run and not found that pine tree because I didn't have any bright eyes or tacks in that woods and I would have crossed it 15 yards down where I shot the buck I shot, game might have been over. I could have watched tails running the other way like, holy crap, now there's someone in here. Let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the human presence, the human presence and the safety of a deer left alone and played the right way, that's what's going to kill a deer. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you, man. I mean, you just, yeah, I think if I were going to, I I agree, man. You kept pressure off the place, and that was the... Yeah, it's a big thing. That was the key, man. That's a big factor. Yeah, you know, I think think sometimes... yeah, you know, I think sometimes we, we we as whitetail hunters get inside of our own heads too too much too and overthink. You know what I mean? It's they really want a handful of things. You know, they want to first and foremost they want to be safe, right? So whatever you can do to make them feel yep. safe is in your benefit. They want to eat, and they want to they want to procreate during a very short window, short period of the year. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Those are the three things that they're really focused on doing. And, and you know, 95% of the year is focused on staying safe and, you know, staying alive and eating, you know. And so yeah. if you just think of those two things and prioritize making sure that they continue to feel safe, you know, and whatever that means, whether that means you just let it alone or you make sure that your access is right. Because that was one thing that I was mentioning about this swamp with the access. It was like one thing I figured out, like one way I started getting in, there's a, there's a there's a low spot in in there that you know because we've had so much rain it's kind of like a little stream that runs almost cuts it in half and when i walk yep. in i can walk in directly to that little in that little you know drainage runoff and then i walk the water down and it runs within like 5 feet of the, one of the trees i want to climb that i want to get into oh that's nice and I walk nice. and I walk that thing straight down, and it's amazing. The deer that have crossed where I've walked in, into my tree, they hit that water. It's like, I mean, they have no clue that I'm there. You know, oh, that's I'm, great. I just walk. That's really cool. Yeah, I just walk that little waterway down, and you know, it's. I mean, kind of sucks because I, I tripped and I may have fell down and splashed around in it the one morning. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Well, to, to me. To me, that to me that's cheating. You can't walk the water. You got to walk on the on the ground. Right. 
<laughs> you can't walk in the water. If I can't walk in the water, that's cheating. <laughs> right, right. Awesome, man. Well, hey, dude. Oh, that's I'm, great. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and let you get going, man. I want to be sensitive to time. Let you uh, let you get into uh, into the house and out of your truck. But I do appreciate you coming on and 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 kind of just kind of giving me the deeds of the story and um you know congratulations again man uh awesome awesome deer awesome buck and uh you know thank be, you so much yeah it'd, it'd be hard pressed to find a better guy um you know more deserving it puts the work in to get to get it done you know opening day so congratulations uh i hope that we can continue our um you know our uh, our annual conversation in october talking about the hammer that you that you tag yeah man without a doubt well i got uh the rest of this week and i'm on vacation for four weeks well, there you so go. maybe we'll talk again. We might be talking again uh. if I know if I know you. Uh. There's a good chance. <laughs> All right, brother. You have a good night, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you for the kind words. All right, folks. That is a wrap for today's show we'd like to thank rick for joining us and of course thank all of you for listening if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and while you're there go ahead and give us a subscribe on the old itunes podcast subscription we'd be uh, super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for us and before we shut this thing down we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. November's on my heels. Makes me proud, makes me steal. I could show you through the door. If it all It takes a special knowing to colorful Damaged heads, broken letters Rationalize yourself in numbers But I gotta get away from All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.